I, I can't speak for you, but man, I love to worship together with God's people. Amen. And I just want to say this. I think you know it, but it, just in case you don't, everyone that was just up on this stage, Matt and Q and his team, they're all passionate lovers of Jesus, and they're part of the pastoral team that we hope brings you into the presence and causes you to become more like him. So we're all in this together, and I appreciate their, their co-laboring with us. Let, let me, I don't usually do this, but I think it's really important. Um, James had mentioned perspectives, and let me just encourage you, if you've never, if you've never taken perspective, do it. I was uh, in seminary many years ago preparing to go on the mission field, and uh, I thought I was ahead of the curve with most people when it came to missions, and I took perspectives in seminary, and it, it wrecked me. It changed my life. I went, oh, wow. Not just a bigger picture of God's love for the world. I mean, that's enough, but it gave me a greater love for God, and uh, we'll help pay for some of it, um, we want to do that. So see Nathan, Alan, go back to the table. We think it's that important. I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, if I go to Perspectives, God will make me a missionary. I'll end up in Tibet. Maybe. Um, but I doubt it. Very few actually go. And, but you can stay and pray and um, give and mobilize. And so it's really, really important. I'd encourage you to do that. Okay, let's talk about time. I read an article that uh, scared me. Not many of them do. I'm a little jaded now, unfortunately, as I've gotten older. But this one scared me to death. Uh, I just went, oh, wow. It was not a Christian article. Um, It was from a non-Christian magazine. Uh, I would say really, really progressive. And um, it was an article about what what is destroying the fabric of life in America. And this includes family, it includes singles, it includes young, old, uh, middle age. It was interesting because it wasn't an article about violence or infidelity or drugs or education problems. The article's premise w- was this, and you might want to fill in the blank for me. Here was, here was the premise. People are just too busy, busy. The article basically said that we live this frantic, soul-depleting pace of life and it's driving us all crazy. And the obvious question that it raises is this, why do we do that? What's wrong with us? I mean, nobody plans on being burnt out. Nobody graduates from school and says, I want to sign up for a chronic life of busyness and sadness and depression. <laughs> nobody does that. But it happens, it happens all the time. Now, I know not everybody in this room struggles with that. But if we're honest, most of us do. Um, Some of us are in denial, but I think most of us, and I I could kind of gauge that in the first service, we kind of go, yeah, this is killing me. But just in case you're not sure, 
Because, you know, it's always easy to, to deflect, right? Just in case you're not sure about this, I want us all collectively together, and I'm serious about this, I want us to take a test. So do me a favor, take out your pens and pencils um, and a piece of paper, or take out your, your phone, iPad, and I want you to number one through six. And we're going to do a, a, a time assessment test this morning. And I'm going to encourage you, A, to be honest, to be really honest with yourself. Don't deflect. And this is kind of B, don't be nudging your husband, your wife, your friend, your child, right? I know you're already doing that. It's, oh God, it's the wife you gave me. It's the husband you gave me. It's the whatever. Don't do that, okay? So let's take this test together. Here we go. Number one, I want you to see it behind me. Also, if for some reason you want to go a little deeper, uh, I say deeper, just have it in front of you. You can get on the Bible app, Version Bible app. Go to events, click on that. You know, all my notes will be there. If you want to know more about grow, connect, serve, um, and see these six questions, you can do that. Okay, number one, I often feel like this is simple yes or no. Don't raise your hand, just write it down. No shame here. Just write it down, okay? I often feel like there are not enough hours in the day. I feel like I'm playing catch up all the time or more often than I want to. Yes or no? Yes or no? Number two, I find myself sometimes or often looking for ways to multitask. I have this compulsive need to be doing more than one thing at the same time. If I'm not, I get a little nervous. Yes or no? Number three, I sometimes find myself feeling guilty around time issues. I sometimes feel that I might be cheating my family. Um, I, I may be cheating my kids, my grandkids. And by the way, they're growing up way too fast and I'm missing it. Or I feel that I'm, I'm, I ought to be praying more. I want to, but I seem to be too busy. Yes or no? The next question involves what experts call magical thinking. This means that you consistently underestimate the amount of time that it will take for you to get something done. So it means that you are always in a hurry. Let me give you an example, okay? One time five years ago, even though it takes you 20 minutes to get to work, you made it to work in 15 minutes when all the lights were green and you were following a speeding ambulance the whole way there. And every morning since then, you plan on making it to work in 15 minutes, even though it's never happened a single time since. Magical thinking. Yes or no? Procrastination. Do you find yourself putting off going to the doctor or getting your taxes done? Um, and do you get addicted to crisis or deadline all the time? Yes or no? Last question. This is really for me, but I know it's for some of you as well. I struggle with impatience. I often have moments when I'm driving and I'm hoping the person driving next to me does not attend New Heights Church. I'm praying that they do not attend New Heights Church. At church, do you size up the speed of the other people sitting in your row of chairs so you know if you can exit faster to your right or to your left? If so, yes or no, right? How many of you, now we're going to a little bit of shame here. How, how many of you said yes? Raise your, raise your hands. Okay, good, good. Um, we're coming out of denial right now. And so turn to the person next to you and say, my name is so-and-so um, and I'm out of control and I need help. <laughs> Look at you doing it. Help me, please. Please. 
Jesus has a word for us this morning. You ready? Listen to this. Jesus said, I didn't make this up. This isn't Hallmark, this isn't Dayspring, this isn't a, a quilt that your grandma put these words. This is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus said this, come to me. By the way, wow, the God of the universe, come to me. I'm always amazed that people that have this narrative about Jesus, it's, or about the church, or about God, and they're like, he, he is impatient, or he is harsh, he doesn't care he's impersonal I'm like oh man please read the word of God read the word of God Jesus has come to me all of you who are weary and burdened and he's reading our mail and I'll give you rest verse 29 take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light doesn't that sound good Come to me, anybody that, that's weary. Not just in your body, but, but in your soul. And I'll give you rest. Then he says something that's rather surprising. He says, he says take my, my yoke upon you. I want you to see this phrase one more time. This is, this is really, really um, important. Because if, if you weren't raised on a farm, you probably don't know what a yoke is. Right? So I want to show you a picture of a yoke. There it is. You got it. That's it. Now, doesn't that strike you as kind of odd that the thing to offer tired people is Jesus offers a yoke, a, a instrument of burden. He doesn't say take my orthopedic mattress or take my all-time favorite lazy, that literally is my lazy boy chair, literally. We pulled it off the internet. I'm like, that's my chair. I started to get excited. How sad is that? I said, Chad, that's my chair. Like, wait a second. You say, come to me. Life is hard. Chad, can we go backwards? Let's go back to the, take that. Why does he say that? Well, Jesus is the master teacher. And if you follow his words in the Gospels, really read them all, at times you go, whoa. Like, what is he really saying? Like, there's books out, the hard sayings of Jesus, the difficult sayings of Jesus, the interesting things, uh, sayings of Jesus. And what tends to happen with us is we read that and it just kind of goes by us and we don't really unpack what he's saying. So this morning, I want us to do a deeper dive just on that word, yoke. In Jesus' context. But let's give you kind of an overview. The word is used 50 times in the Old and New Testament. In the Old Testament, I'll give you one example. The prophet Jeremiah says this. He says, bow, bow your neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon. Oh, Serve him, all, all his people. And then this is a picture of submission. In the New Testament, it doesn't get much better. Paul says to the church of Galatia, he says this. Do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Now here's the deal about yokes. You might want to write this down. Everybody wears a yoke. Everybody. Every single person on this planet who came before you, 
right now and who will come after you wears a yoke. Jesus knew this. Let me, we're working towards definition here, okay? A yoke is whatever cause or dream or goal you hook your life up to. It's whatever you submit your life to. We all submit our lives to something. It might be your, your job. It might be your marriage. Here, here's probably the number one yoke, or it's up there right now in our culture, especially a first world culture. It might be what some other people are thinking about you. Isn't that crazy? Take out your phone right now. You pick that thing up, you go to social media, for some of you, it's a yoke. It's a burden. It's submission. Literally, you're like, what do people think about me? That's a yoke. Your whole life is lived out through that narrative. And get this, every yoke besides Jesus has a way of turning into slavery and it will ultimately crush us. That's why Jesus says these words. He says, take, take my yoke. I think they're coming. Do we have that down? We do. Underline my, circle it, highlight it. Jesus, everyone wears a yoke. What kind of yoke are you going to wear? If you know me, if you love me, if the Spirit of God lives inside of you, if you are indeed a son or daughter of God, I got a yoke for you. It looks like to most people a harness, but for me it's different. I want you to take my yoke. Well, what is Jesus' yoke life? Well, Jesus' yoke is, is his way of life. And he says, if you dare to take his yoke, if you trust him with your time, you will find rest for your souls. By the way, in 2,000 years, Jesus has never led anyone into exhaustion or discouragement. Never. He really does have an answer for the insanity that is around us. There really is another way. But we have to admit, like a 12-step program, we're out of control. We're out of control. And we need to get serious about turning our time over to God. And that's, that's what we're looking at this morning. And in the rest of this message, I want to talk about three lessons. And they all come from nature. But they, they teach us what we need to do if we're going to turn our time over to God. First lesson this morning is the lesson of the birds. This is from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. You may recall some of this. We went over this a, a, a year ago. And Jesus said in verse 25, therefore, I, I tell you, do not worry about your life. You're like, what? That's all I ever do is worry about my life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Let's make it modern. Isn't it more than a car payment and a mortgage and a college? Isn't it more than that? And then he goes to example, verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father, he feeds them. I love this last line. Aren't you, aren't you more, more valuable than them? Like much more valuable than them? They're birds. So the lesson of the birds is this. We have to give up the illusion that we are in control of anything. 
Jesus says, stop living as if you have to look out for yourself because there's nobody else looking out for you. Jesus says, if you know and love me, I'm looking out for you. As the hymn writer says, his eye is on the sparrow. Ah, no, no, no. Much more than that. His eye is on you. Then he starts to give us examples. He says, he says, look at the birds. He says, they don't sow or reap. In other words, they have very limited time management skills. Birds are not very employable. They're not very ambitious. But almost never do you see a bird with real high blood pressure. Birds aren't worried about the stock market, right? They just kind of trust. When they need a worm, there's a worm. How about a berry? Oh, there's a berry. Where does this come from? Jesus tells us. He says, your heavenly father feeds them. Man, do you ever think about that? Every time you see a bird, even a crow, which scare me, even a crow. Is anyone fond of crows? Just be honest right now. Be honest. No one's fond of, don't lie. You're not fond of crows. God's like, it's just the right time, Mr. Crow, because I care, because I'm sovereign, because I made you. I'm going to feed you. Every time you see God feed a bird, God says, remember how much I love you. Whoa. Whoa. God never gets tired of taking care of all these little creatures. They don't sow. They don't reap. And by the way, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't sow or reap. It's not a bad thing to work hard at your career. But I'm telling you, do not make the mistake of thinking that that's where your security lies. We live in a part of the world that's full of people who are really good at sowing and and reaping then one day, you know what happens? The market collapses. Or their marriage collapses. Or their heart collapses. I see it all the time. I see believers all the time. They're like, woohoo, in this part of the world, right? Wow, man, it's great. I got all this and I can do what I want and everything. Oh, wait a second. The market just go. Oh, no, God. Super busy. Running like crazy. You show up one day. Hey, why is my wife's closet, all the clothes gone? Are you sitting at your desk? Hypertension, stress. Oh, no. The market collapses, their marriage collapses, their heart collapses, or a child grows up and they realize they had one shot at being a mom and dad and they blew it and they can't get it back. How crazy is this? Like God gives us the gift of procreating eternal vessels made in his image. And we go, eh, I don't really have time for you. I don't have time to pray for you, cultivate Jesus in you, model Jesus. I don't have to, I'm living my life. How crazy is that? Here's what scares me, really scares me. I'm seeing it all the time now. With believers, a soul will get cold and small and self-centered and they don't even realize it. Like right now in our culture, I can feel it happen. Do you feel this happening in our culture right now? Amongst people who claim to know and love Jesus? Like, I've been a pastor for 30 years. 
a Christ follower since I was 17. And I'm like, I, right now in our culture, I get around people who claim to know and love Jesus. And I want to talk to them about the gospel, about salvation, about community, about things that matter for the king and his kingdom. And they're like, meh, boring. Eh, I don't have time for that. Service, please. A life on mission, I'm amazed. No one has time for community. Like God said, you cannot forsake community. If you do, you do, your soul will rot. You're like, I don't got time for it. I'm like, what the? What's happened? You can't have it all. You want to live a life on mission? You want to cultivate a heart for God? It takes time. It takes prayer. It takes the word. It takes service. It takes sacrifice. So and reap, Jesus says, but don't let it be your yoke. Don't go through life with it. And if it's getting in the way of what really matters, if it's keeping you from praying, if it puts hurt in your family, if it's an excuse to keep you from serving, if it's making your heart get small, if it's keeping you up at night worrying, then it's time to learn the lesson of the birds. Right now, it's time for us to say, hey God, I need help. That's where revival is going to take place in our land, is with this issue called time. We're all, we're waiting for some crazy, I'm waiting for revival to break out. Like what? It's just some ethereal thing? It breaks out when we say no to this and yes to this, and that takes God's time. First, there's a lesson of the birds. Next lesson that we get from nature is the lesson of dust. Psalm 103, verse 10, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our our iniquities. Can I get an amen, right? Hallelujah. (laughs) Isn't that good? Yes. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. That's important. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Thank you, Jesus. As the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For now, get this, for he knows, verse 14, how we are formed. Like he knows us. He knows us. You say, well, how are we formed? We're dust. We're dust. The lesson of the dust is this. Boy, get this down. We're not perfect. One of the primary um, reasons we live such crazy, frenzied lives is that we're trying to convince people that we're healthier and smarter and more spiritual than we really are, right? Parents go crazy with their kids. Why? Because our society says that if you're going to be a good parent, what? You got to sign them up for every activity under the sun. And so we do until they're exhausted and so are we. That's what we're, we're told we have to do to be a good parent. A perfect parent does this and this and this and this. The lesson of the dust is God knows I'm not perfect. God knows all about me and yet still offers to love and forgive me anywhere. Therefore, I will not waste one more minute of my life living up to anybody else's expectations for me. Why? Because I'm just a dust bunny, and so are you. And so are you. So here's what I want to do together. 
We don't do much liturgy at New Heights, but we're going to do this together. I want us to practice not being perfect. So this, say this with me three times. It's liturgy for our culture. Here we go. Ready? Good enough is perfect. Good enough is perfect. Good enough is perfect. Amen. Now for you perfectionists, you're like, I do not know what you are saying. Perfect is perfect. Good enough is for losers. <laughs> if you're a one on the Enneagram, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man. And this isn't just this isn't just a metaphor. There's actually literally physically people who are like, I've got to dust all the time. Like literally, I've got to, I can't stop dusting. Here's some advice. I'm gonna give you homework for especially for you ones on the Enneagram. This week, write the word joy in the dust on your living room table. And as you see behind me, one author said this, brilliant, right? They said, dusting is only a process of small particle rearrangement. Why dust? It just goes someplace else. Jesus, though, Jesus wants to take us to another level here. This is the heart of what Jesus is talking about. The problem of trying to look perfect gets deeply into what Jesus was ta talking about in Matthew chapter 11. In Jesus' day, when the rabbis used the term yoke, man, that was like a term of endearment. They would often use it to re refer to, and I quote, the yoke of the Torah, or the yoke of the commandments, or the yoke of the law. So they were like, when you saw that thing that was burdensome, that looked like a medieval torture machine that would yoke oxen together, put them under submission, they're like, yeah, come my brothers and sisters and we will yoke you under the Torah, the commands of God. And the people were like, I can't do this. Can you imagine, like, in your mind, trying to keep all the commands of God, not only to make God happy, but to earn eternal life? This is the background that Jesus says what he says. He saw people around him getting exhausted and discouraged and wondering, how will I ever please God? So Jesus says, take my yoke. Why? Because it's easy. Why is it easy? Because it's not about you being perfect anymore. I already did that. I'm perfect. I was the perfect sin sacrifice. I went to a cross, your cross. I died and paid for your sin so that you wouldn't have to wear the yoke of your sin. Do you understand this? What Jesus is saying, he's saying, I will take your yoke. Lee, I will take the yoke of your fallenness and your brokenness and your imperfections. Man, I see it all. And I love you anyways. You're right. You can't measure up. I measured up for you. I'll give you a yoke that leads not only to eternal life, but to abundant life. The lesson of the dust is we are not perfect. And we don't have to be. Last lesson. Last lesson from nature is the lesson of the grass. Now, not the grass you're thinking about, okay? It's like, dude, whoa, I smoked this. There's a lot of life lessons, man. Not that lesson. Again, the psalmist, Psalm 90, it's actually Moses who writes this psalm. Verse 5, he says this, yet you, referring to God, you sweep people away in the sleep of death. 
They're like the new grass of the morning. In the morning, it springs up new, but by evening, it is dry and withered. And the lesson of the grass is this. Life is unspeakably precious, and time is unbelievably short. Let me say that again. Life is unspeakably precious, and time is unbelievably short. Therefore, if I'm, I'm ever going to live the life God wants me to live, it better, be, it better be now. As surely as we sit in this room right now, one day each of us will be swept away by death. We will. I don't know when or how. It could be a car crash. It could be cancer. It could be a heart attack. It could be natural causes. I'm voting for natural causes in my lazy boy at 122 years old with all my great-grandchildren around me but I doubt it. <laughs> I've lived a pretty hard life. Probably won't be that. It won't be that long. So the psalmist continues, in light of the fact that life is incredibly short, in light of the fact, as James says, your life is a vapor. It's a flower. You, flowers are so funny. Ruth, I can't name it now. Sue, Sue Osborne, what, what's the name of that flower? Do you remember the name of the flower that Ruth gave you? Hey, that's okay. This is a lot of pressure. 600 people are listening to you right now. That's all right. While we were gone on vacation, this is crazy to me, Ruth gave a flower for Sue Osborne to watch. Who does that? But this flower has one job. It's this long stem. It's really tall, and it's got like six blooms, and it's got like this short season in the winter. It just, as it's rising up, I'm like, oh my word, it's beautiful. This flower's going to be for, and it dies. Sue was literally sending this picture. It bloomed yesterday. It's beautiful. Next picture, it died. <laughs> like, what? That's what the world, the flesh, and the devil does, right? You're going to live forever. You're dead. So the psalmist says this. Moses says, teach us, verse 12. In light of the fact that we're all going to be swept away, up in death, the tidal wave of death, teach us to number our days that we may what? Gain a heart of wisdom. The psalmist says, hey, Lee, if you're smart, if, if you're wise, you'll make each day really, really important. And here's what's key. Nobody, do, nobody knows how many days they've got. But write this down. I get to choose how I live my day. That's unbelievable. Don't be a victim here, Right? Don't be a victim. You get to choose how you live your day. Not your corporation, not your boss, not the church, not your wife, not your kids, not your husband. You get to choose how you live your day. How are you going to live it? We live with this insane idea that the idiotic way in which we live is somehow the fault of somebody else. Or that time is going to come along and magically solve things for us. Time is a mocker. Time isn't your friend. You got today. You got right now. You've got this moment. You were given this day. You didn't earn it. You don't control it. It's a gift. And you, you will decide how you're going to live this day. Hey, maybe you're here with somebody that you love. And you have this day, this moment right now to love them. So maybe you might want to reach over and put a hand on that person's shoulder or on their knee and give them a little squeeze. Really, do that right now. You can do that. You've got this moment. Maybe just to reach out and squeeze their hand. If it's a stranger, don't do that. 
I know some, some guys over there right now are like, finally my chance. <laughs> Woo! Pastor said. No, no. Close, close, close friend, blood related, all right? She's not here. I didn't say it first service. I should have. I would have got major brownie points. But I've been married to this incredible woman for 30 years. Her 30-year anniversary was December 17th. Yeah. I'm like, God, I can't believe I made it to 30, more or less 30 years of marriage. And it never gets old. And I, I just, we, I had the privilege of doing a, a, um, a wedding last night. And I'm reminded every time I do a wedding of my bride who said, I'm going with you. Nobody else but you. I never get tired of squeezing her hand, giving her a hug, praying with her, loving her, holding her, thinking about her. Never. Never. Maybe it's time for us to make some changes this morning. I don't know how to say this any more seriously, but I'm going to ask you just to be real open with God right now. I want to go back to my initial article that I read. This literally is people, as far as I could tell, who don't know God, who don't know Jesus, who didn't necessarily care either way about the Bible, who are scared to death of where our society is going. And I want to encourage you, most of you in this room, as the people of God, to live life on mission, to live differently, to value and think about time in a completely different way. But I can't make that choice for you. No one can. You've got to do it. I heard a story about a dad. I actually know the dad, but I won't go into detail. He had a job that, he's not from New Heights. He had a job that he loved. I mean, he loved it. Not everyone is this way. Um, I'm not this way, but a lot of people are. He loved to fly. He loved to fly all around the United States, all around the world. And man, he just loved his job. He loved to fly. Very exciting stuff. Um, but he was gone so much that one day his son at school was asked by a teacher, what, is your, what does your dad do for work? And the little boy looked at his teacher and he just said, up there. And the teacher had to ask the boy's mom, has the father passed away or something? No, she said, he's just on a plane that much. But that's where his son thought dad was. Up there. Not right here. So the dad did something really brave, really courageous. He quit. I'm always amazed at people. I can't quit. I can't stop. I can't. You, you can do whatever you want. I can't turn the TV on. I can't get rid of my, I can't, I can't. Yeah, yeah, you can. Took a massive pay cut. You say, well, it's all about the dad's fulfillment. Really? How does that work if everyone thinks that? That doesn't work. He quit. He gave a lot of money and excitement and changed his whole life so that when that last day comes, and it will, we'll all be swept away in death. He wouldn't have a mountain of regrets. As we finish this morning and the worship team comes back up, let me just say this. 
Some of you are wearing the wrong yoke. You have just this one life. You have just this one day. Others came before. Others will come after. But this is your day, one day. And God needs a community of believers that will provide an alternative way of life because God knows that we live in a place where people live a certifiably insane way of life. Are you going to be different? Am I going to be different? So, I have some homework for you. Here's your assignment between now and next week. By the way, next week, and I want you just to look at this, we're starting a new series Kevin Rusak is going to kick us off. We're really, really excited about this series. We feel it is a non-negotiable. Of course, all of them are non-negotiables, but we're really excited about this one. Drinking deep, experiencing life with God. So what I'm doing is I'm going to give you a head start for our new series. This assignment will help you for next week. Here's your assignment. Take 10 minutes and do a time audit. Do, do this with your spouse if you're married or do it with a friend. Do it between you and God. As you can see behind me, it has two steps. I should have added a third step, okay? The third step would be this. Ask the Holy Spirit, am I willing to submit to Jesus my schedule, my time? Those things that fill a day. So, two things for your time audit. Sit down with somebody. And you might want to ask them, and they can ask you, am I numbering my days well? And then really practically, specifically, how should I be numbering my days? I, hey, I get it. We need to work. We need to pay the bills. You got to stop and put gas in your car. Um, I can go on and on. But what are those things that I can, I can ruthlessly eliminate so I have more time for the things that really matter? I want to encourage you to do that. I know so many people who say, they say this to me, someday, Lee, I'm going to really immerse myself in Scripture. Someday, huh, I'm going to cultivate a deeper prayer life. Someday, I'm going to really learn to Sabbath and be still and experience quiet and solitude. Or, well, hey, I'm telling you, one of these days, I'm going to really get into community. Lee, I'm here to tell you, I'm going to give my time and my treasure and my talents to God. Someday, one of these days, I'm going to cultivate the spiritual disciplines in my life. And that last day comes, and they never did. Don't be that person. So, take 10 minutes this week. Some of you are thinking, 10 minutes, that's not much time. Let me tell you something, 10 minutes will change your life. But you've got to do it. You must decide that there really is another yoke. There really is a better yoke. And for some of you, you've got a family or kids or a marriage or a soul that's riding on this. This assignment, assignment is for all of us. Jesus said, I love Jesus. I, can't, I just can't get enough of Jesus. Older I get, I can't get enough of Jesus. He knows us so well. Jesus said, Come. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle, I'm humble, 
I'm humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to ask the prayer team to, to come up right now. They're going to come up here to my right and to my left and all around this room. People just like you. There'll be some staff, might be some elders, just some lay people, people who just love Jesus and they want to minister to you. Jesus says that where two or more are gathered, he's in their midst. And so, as you can imagine, we're pretty passionate about prayer. For some of you this morning, you're where you know and love Jesus, but you have you've fallen. You've given in to the trap of a different yoke. And you're like, man, I'm miserable. Come pray with somebody. Release that yoke. Release it. For others, you're like, I, I don't even know Jesus. How do I know what his yoke is? And let me encourage you today with some good news. The gospel is free. Salvation is free. Jesus paid the price. You say, well, what do I do? The Bible gives us three beautiful words. The first one is repent. I love that word. I get to turn from my sin, from my self-destruction. I get to turn to Jesus. And I embrace him as Savior and Lord. I, I come to him. I believe. That's the second word. I get to believe in Jesus. And I receive. That's the third word. Salvation. Full and free. If you're here this morning, you're like, I, I need to know more about Jesus. Come talk to me. Come talk to the, these prayer warriors all around the room. Maybe someone who brought you. Say, Lee, I, I need more than a five-minute conversation. Will you do a cup of coffee? Will you eat a meal? I'll eat a meal with you. I'll do whatever it takes to tell you about Jesus. I promise you that. So will Jim, so will everyone on staff. It's not about Lee or Jim or any musician. We, we're flowers, baby. We rise up, we die. <laughs> it's about Jesus. I love him. I want you to love him. Man, he's a game changer. I just love him so much. I remember at 17, um, an old Baptist church walked an aisle, gave my life to Jesus, and man, it's never been the same since. I grew up in despair and addiction and brokenness and divorce, and Jesus rescued me. He wants to rescue you today, right now. I'm going to pray. In just a few minutes, you're going to have an opportunity to take communion. We encourage that you find somebody and do it together. You, it's a feast of celebration as we, as we remember and think about what Jesus did for us. We celebrate. Thank you. Thank you for your body that you, you, you sacrificed for us. Thank you for your blood that you shed. We get to celebrate. And we get to say, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, come quickly, Lord Jesus, rescue us. This isn't home. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for every soul in this room, prized, made in your image. You can't stop thinking about them. I pray specifically for those who are far from you, who don't know you. Maybe they're curious. 
Maybe they stumbled in here accidentally. Maybe they've been on this journey of seeking and they haven't found yet. I pray that today, Father, would be their day to meet Jesus. And God, for so many others in this room who know you, who love you, who whose Holy, your Holy Spirit lives inside of them, that they would replace the yoke of their job or of money or other idols or whatever with the yoke of Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen.